I'm a, um, I'm a big podcast listener, avid podcast listener. And uh, one of the podcasts that's on heavy rotation on my phone is uh, Lance Armstrong's podcast. Now, Lance uh, launched his podcast about a year ago. It's not about cycling. It's not about ways to improve your cycling. It's, uh, the format's actually pretty simple. It's just him in his home um, study. For about an hour, he just has someone sitting across the table and uh, they just kind of talk, interview. It's, it's, it's you know, I'm, I've been really enjoying it. Well, just this last week, um, his guest is, was Ricky Fowler. Now, Ricky Fowler's a 28-year-old uh, golfer out of America and he's currently ranked number nine in the world, which is pretty impressive to be in the top 10 in such a competitive global sport. And, um, you know, they were just talking about life as a pro golfer and, and so on and so forth. And one of the things that Ricky Fowler mentioned during this uh, interview is that at the end of a round of golf, at the end of the 18 holes, uh, you will not find him at the 19th hole, which is what most uh, weekend hackers will do. They'll finish their round of golf, then they'll go and grab a beer uh, in the clubhouse. Not the professionals. He said, in fact, when, they finish a, when, I, when I finish a round of golf, I will then go to the practice range and to the practice green and work on the fundamentals. And so you and I will watch, uh, well, you probably wouldn't watch a golf tournament, but if you're into golf, you might watch a golf tournament. But even if you're not, you might be watching the nightly news and uh, there may be a little bit of a highlight reel of some uh, big tournament somewhere. And you'll see these great golfers pulling off these amazing shots, uh, clever uh, trick shots and so on and so forth. What they won't show you is the, is the professional after the tournament out in the driving range with his bag of clubs and his bucket of golf balls and just working on the fundamentals because watching someone work on the fundamentals and even actually working on the front fundamentals is not very sexy. It doesn't make anybody's highlight reel. And the reason I say that is to very much compare that with the series that we're currently in called Address the Mess. This is the third episode of that series. And this series, it's not very sexy. This series is not a series about taking the mountaintop. This series is not a series about, about whipping your faith out and seeing miracles happen necessarily left, right and centre in your life. This series is about the fundamentals. In fact, if we were to teach a course, Christianity 101, this would be one of the, the, the topics that we would cover. In fact, we would package it under the title Grace. Grace, just to very, uh, put it very, very simply, whilst it's a churchy word, it is so fundamental to what it means to understanding and following Jesus. And in fact, the way we've said this during this series is that Jesus loves you just as you are. And that's breaking news for some people. And He loves you too much to want you to stay that way. There's two sides to this grace coin. There's this side of, of unconditional love and acceptance and mercy. That is some of the best news that you and I could ever hear, that God loves us just as we are. But that's the first half of it and it doesn't stop there. Beyond that, He loves us too much to leave us there. He accepts us with our messes and yet He doesn't wanna just see us perpetuating our messes in our lives and He gives us the power to change and to be transformed. 
Louis and I, uh, we just, uh, in the last uh, few months, sold the home that we were living in, bought a new home. The new home that we bought, however, has a tenant in it. And uh, that tenant's lease doesn't expire till next January. So we've had to move into a rental uh, property ourselves. We haven't rented for about 18 or 19 years. And um, so it's kind of this brave new world that we're in. Two weeks ago, uh, I got an email from our property manager alerting us to the fact that we had a, we had, we had a rental inspection coming up. And I'm like, ugh, I, uh, okay. And uh, if you don't rent or if you haven't rented like us for some, some time, uh, this is apparently how it goes, is you'll get the notification email from the property manager, letting you know of the date, giving you a bit of lead time, a bit of warning. And, uh, and the property manager went on with, with a checklist. So, so when I come, uh, please make sure you've attended to the following. And the checklist is this, that, and the other. Basically, I'd boil the checklist down to uh, make sure you haven't broken anything. I'm gonna come and, and my job as the property manager doing the rental inspection is to look at everything and make sure that you haven't broken anything. Well, here's the deal. We're exceptional tenants. Uh, we, we in fact um, treat this, are treating this uh, rental property as if it was our own. Uh, it's a Jesus principle. It's a message for another time. But um, we've gone in there and uh, the, the, the owners our landlords, uh, they, they had bought this house for their daughter uh, last year. She was, they live in the country, she was moving up to study. And after a year, she got homesick and moved back. And now she commutes three hours to uni and back. Um, anyway, it's none of my business. Um, nor is it any of yours, but I'll just throw them for free. Um, but, but she got, now look, I, I don't wanna get judgy, but, but I, I have to say that I am on record as saying to Louis, because a lot of the stuff when we moved in was, wasn't working. And I said to Louis, I think that this daughter, I think she had a little bit of an entitlement mentality. I never met her, I don't know, I could be wrong, but man, how do people live like this? Oh, it's all right, it's mum and dad's house. Yeah, well, not anymore. Well, it is, but we're the tenants. So we fixed the shower head that was leaking. Um, we fixed the kitchen tap that had a crack in it, which was weird, I never seen that before. Um, we had an ant infestation of biblical proportions and I've uh, mostly moved the ants over to the next door's uh, lot. Um, the, the garden, well, there was no garden and, and so we put in the production garden and keep, keep doing that. And so uh, when I got the notice for, um, from the property manager, not only was I not nervous, about the property inspection, I couldn't wait for her to come and see how much great work we've done. One of the dangers and one of the common mistakes that I see people making when it comes to following Jesus is they've boiled down to the experience of following Jesus as don't break anything, stay out of trouble. Behave yourself. That the, the, the goal in following Jesus is don't break anything, stay out of trouble, behave yourself. And I wanna put it to you this morning that following Jesus is so much more than staying out of trouble. 
so much more than behaving yourself. That, that you not only don't have to freak out if your, parent, if your friends find out that you're a Jesus follower, in case they catch you, or in case Jesus catches you getting into trouble, but actually you can show off the fact that Jesus is working in your life because you're following Him. I wanna put that to you this morning. Now, if you have the Elevate app, you can tap on the Bible title. It'll take you to a letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches that he launched. Now, Paul was a, was a heavyweight uh, of the early church. Uh, he would go around launching churches in, in prominent cities in the known world. And uh, he would launch the church, get it going. He would identify some young leaders. He would then uh, invest into them and get, get them to a place where they could take the church on. And then he would leave town and go and launch another church. And, and he kept on launching churches. Well, one of the churches he launched is in a place called Philippi, which is in Greece. And uh, he launched that. And 10 years later, one of the ways he would keep in touch with the churches is he would, he would write letters. 10 years later, he wrote this letter. And I wanna read it. I wanna drill into a part of the letter that he wrote to that church this morning. And he started that by writing to them, every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. You know you're living a blessed life when the people in your world cause you to break out in exclamations to God that you're thankful for the people in your life. You're thankful for the people that God's put in your life. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. And I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I'm so pleased you've continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. Now, this is actually not, in my message, and it's not actually what I wanna talk about this morning, but I couldn't skip past this without reading it to you because I want to say to you, every single one of you who has prayed for Elevate Church and prayed that we would continue to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus caused me to break out in exclamations to God. Every one of you who's a team member and contribute your time investing into seeing God's kingdom growing, you cause me as the senior leader here to break out in exclamations to God. Every one of you who gives financially, there is no better thing you can give your money to. There is no better thing you can give your time to. There is no better thing you can pray for than, than giving to and serving and praying for God's kingdom to grow through His church. And so before I get onto the stuff I wanted to get onto, I want you to know that, that me reading this, what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi is something that I feel about you who are contributing to what God's doing here. Okay, fast forward, verse six. Paul wrote, there's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that God, the God who started this great work in you. Now, push pause there. It's critical that you understand that when you decided to start following Jesus, He started something in you. And by the way, if you've never made a decision to start following Jesus, we're gonna give you an opportunity to make that decision this morning in about 18 minutes and 21 seconds. Um, don't look at the clock. Um, He started, you can be confident. You, you may not have felt 
different. You may have felt different, by the way. A lot of people will say from the, from the, from the second I made the decision to start following Jesus, something was different. A weight was lifted. Something changed in me. But it doesn't always manifest itself into the feelings. And even by the way, sometimes the feelings come and go because that's life. But, but be confident that when you started following Jesus, He started something in you. He started transforming you. He started maturing you. It's a process and it'll take time. And here's why I say, and I said this at the, at the beginning of this series two weeks ago, we both need to make a first time decision to start following Jesus. I made that decision when I was 24. And we need to make a daily decision to keep following Jesus. That it's not just a one-time decision, that it's every situation, every day, every season that I'm gonna continue following Jesus. And know that as you and I continue to follow Him, He continues to do the work in us that He started when we decided to start following Him. It can't be rushed, but it's happening. And the other thing that's critical to understand and, and, and I've titled this message Inside Out is that the work is started in us. That Jesus doesn't start the work on the outside. He's not first and foremost trying to modify our behaviour. He's first and foremost transforming our heart, transforming us on the inside. And by the way, as it happens, it should work itself out in our behaviour. Behaviour does matter. Behaviour, the sort of behaviour that Jesus uh, teaches, doing that and following that, it's gonna keep you out of a lot of trouble. It's gonna cause your life to have a lot more stability and a lot fewer regrets, but it doesn't start with the behaviour. And not only doesn't it start with the behaviour, we need to be very clear that Jesus doesn't expect us to improve our behaviour before we get to approach Him. That in fact, we come to Him with our messes on full display and that's okay because He accepts us just where we are, but His starting point for transformation is on the inside, not on the outside. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep it at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Christ returns. Would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. About a year ago, um, Channel 94 launched on Freeview uh, or on TV, I don't know what they call it, TV. On TV. Channel 94 launched, it's called Nine Life. And uh, Louie and I, on the debut of that uh, channel, uh, it was a Saturday evening, we decided we were gonna watch some of the shows. Uh, Fixer Upper, uh, Texas Flip and Move, uh, Flip or Flop, uh, Flip the Bird, I don't know, just all these uh, kind of improvement shows. And um, they're an hour long and, uh, and we just keep watching them. And we watch one and then, and then we watch the next one and then we watch the next one. And I, I'm in, I, go, I go to bed early. Well, I mean early by like growing up standards and uh, even early by fat cat standards sometimes. Um, and, uh, and it was getting pretty late and, and I went to bed and Louis stayed up watching more shows on Nine Life. And the next morning, you know, I said, so uh, how'd you go? What, what, what time, how many more shows did you watch? And Louis said, I'll never forget, 
OMG, Nine Life has stolen my life. <laughs> we love those shows. But, but and here's the thing, picture this. If you've ever watched that or, or on, um, uh, I think the Food Network, they have uh, like Restaurant Impossible and those sorts of things. They show you the first five minutes of just how bad things are. You know, they'll show you how bad the property is, how bad uh, condition it is, how bad the restaurant it is. It's a 60 minute show and you watch the first five minutes and you get sucked in, well, we do. Um, Can you imagine how frustrating it would be if they only showed you the first 30 minutes of the 60 minute show? that you would, you would never get to see when the house became move-in ready. You would never get to see when the restaurant got up to full snuff. You'd never get to see when the house went on the market and they flipped it for a profit because it's a 60 minute show, but they, they only show 30 minutes of it. They never take it through to completion. Well, here's the promise that Paul's reminding you and I, that not only does Jesus start a work in us, but if you and I commit to continue to follow Him, we can be confident that He will complete the work in us. He'll run the show for the full 60 minutes. We'll get to see the full transformation when either He comes or we go, whichever comes first, that we don't have to freak out, that, it, that, it's, that it's never gonna finish, that it's never gonna be completed. We can be confident that this lifelong process is gonna work out in our lives. And then Paul says, so this is my prayer. He said to them how great they are. He's told them, guys, girls, you can be confident that God not only started a work in you, He's gonna finish the work in you. And so this is my prayer. Here's what I'm praying for you. Here's when I think about you, when I pray for you, here's what I pray. Question, when you pray, what do you pray for? When you pray for you or when you pray for anything, what do you pray for? Help me find my car keys. God, help me pass the exam. Uh, help the boss like my presentation. Help me get to work on time. Help me find a parking spot. You know, th- these, are, these, are, these are okay prayers. They're not unimportant. But I wanna put it to you this morning that whilst they are not unimportant, they are underimportant compared to what we can be praying for, compared to where we can aim our prayers, compared to the size and the scope and the trajectory and the altitude of what our prayers can be about. And Paul gives us some clues as to where we can angle our prayers based on what he was praying for the church in Philippi. This is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you'll not only love much, but well. Paul's not praying that they would be better rule keepers, that they wouldn't break stuff, that they would stay out of trouble. I pray that I don't have to visit you in jail. I pray that when you meet Jesus and He goes through the checklist, like a property manager, that you won't get evicted. He's not praying that for them. 
He's praying prayers that go way, 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 way above that are far more important and far more magnificent. That you, that your love will flourish and that your love, that you will not only love much, but love well. That your love will grow in quantity and quality. One of the very real pieces of evidence that this work that God's doing in you is actually gaining traction, that you and I are actually growing, is our demonstrated ability to love much and to love well, to be better and bigger lovers of people than we were yesterday, last week, last month, last year. When our prayers are not just about us, when our goals are not just about us, when, when our desires are not just about us, but when we are not only angling the trajectory of our prayers towards other people, but we're angling the trajectory of our lives towards other people, that we've got an increased capacity, an increased love in our hearts that sees us reorient the way we spend our money, the way we give our money, the way we uh, allocate our time, the way the priorities that we put into our week, that, that those become quantifiable demonstrations of whether you and I are allowing God to continue to do this work in us, that, that, that you and I are continuing to follow Him every day, not just a decision that you made when you were 24 or 14 or 45, that you and I would have an increased capacity to be lovers of people, not keepers of rules. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Real simple, let me break it down. Don't let your love just be something related to your thoughts. Oh, I have loving thoughts about people. Well, do they know that? Because if they don't, it's kind of like you're leaving the change on the table. I have loving feelings towards people. I'm, I'm not talking like boy, girl thing. I'm talking like, you know, love towards people. Well, how's that actually translating into your life, into your priorities, into your words, into your actions, that it's not just feeling sentimental gush, that, that you're not just the walking hallmark card, but that the people in your world, the people that God has strategically placed for you to influence, they notice something different about you and I. They notice that we love much and we love well and that our love is increasing because of the way our lives are changing. To address the mess is to allow God to complete the work that He's begun in us. But it's not so you and I can, can parade around about how great we are. It's about you and I becoming better fathers, better mothers, better friends, better spouses, better kids, that, that better isn't defined by breaking less rules. Better is defined by loving much and loving well and loving more. And so real simply, in the six minutes and 19 seconds I have left, which will be a new 2017 record if I finish speaking 
before that clock gets to zero because when it gets to zero, it then turns red and starts counting up and flames appear and it gets all weird from up here. So we'll try and avoid that this morning. Let me give you a little bit of takeaway homework. And it's takeaway homework that you don't need any special tools. You don't need a degree in Bible. Degree in Bible. <laughs> Speak English, Mark. It's your first language. Um, you, you don't, you, you, this is something you, you, you can even do. I mean, if you take, something to take away that you can do even if you've only been following Jesus for three seconds. And it's to pray this prayer, real simple. Uh, by the way, this slide that's about to come up. Um, uh, next one, please, Anna. Sorry, skip that one. Uh, the formatting's off. I shouldn't have pointed that out, but I couldn't help myself. Um, yeah, I know, it's hard to look at. Uh, so let me read my notes. I can't look at the slide. <laughs> oh, some of you think I'm joking. Um, here's the homework. You can take a screenshot of this. It'll be in our podcast uh, it's a prayer. It's an ongoing prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's something that you can do every day. It's something that I encourage you to do every day. And actually, the emphasis is on the second half of this prayer because God promised that He will complete the work that He's begun in you and I. Though we do have a part to play and that's to continue following Him because if we stop following Him, all of a sudden the transforming slows down to a halt. Second half of that prayer, help me to love much and love well. Yes, still pray for finding your car keys or your phone. Still pray for parking spots. Still pray for your boss to like you. Still pray for... that you pass the rental inspection. These are all good prayers. They're not unimportant, but they're underimportant compared to the prayer that we can pray. Now, I promised you I'd give you an opportunity to, to start to follow Jesus if you've never actually taken that first step or that next step. And I'm gonna do that right now. Real simple, in a moment, if you've never made the decision to start following Jesus, and by the way, I made the decision to follow Him this morning, but I made it for the first time when I was 24. You've never made the first time decision to start following Jesus. I'm giving, wanna give you that opportunity in a moment. And all I want you to do is just, just to demonstrate to God that that's your decision today, that that's your next step today, that that's your prayer today. I just want you to put your hand up and you know, I'll see your hand. When I see it, I'll ask you to put it down and we'll pray. I'll just pray from up here. You stay seated where you are. It's not gonna get weird. But for those of you that have not yet made that decision to start following Jesus, how about you make that decision this morning? Put your hand up. You say, God, that's me. That's the decision I'm making this morning. When I see a hand, you put it down. I'll pray for you from up here. We don't wanna miss anybody this morning. 